0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 41. How are you guys doing this week? Greetings. Happy Sunday. I guess Sunday is the day I'm doing this thing these days did a lot of socializing yesterday a lot of, a lot of seeing people new people meeting people around the county other people that live around here i went to a uh, like a dad's thing at <laughs> the Baxter arcade I uh, down in Chapel Hill and met some dads, uh, some mostly tech dudes, nerd tech dudes, which was great. Turns out they're all really into Civilization VI as well, so, you know, just as that game is starting to get a little repetitive for me, I will now enter the world of multiplayer with, uh, with a cool guy I met that works at Cisco, so that'll be something. Yeah, man, that guy—he's got an 18-month-old and two-month-old twins. I don't even know how he does it. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and then went to another event with a bunch of strangers yesterday. We went to a party at her babysitter's house. That was really interesting. It was like a mix of other clients and people she went to college with. It was pretty strange. A lot of fireball shots. I don't know. It was pretty. It was pretty weird, but it was a good time. I met some cool people there And then I went to a show last night Uh, I went to go see Mac McAuglin from Superchunk And Mary Lattimore The indie rock harpist I guess she's the second most famous indie rock harpist after uh, what's-her-name, right? But, uh, you know, it's interesting. When I bought the tickets, I thought it was him playing a solo set and then her playing a solo set because I have both their solo records. Mac from Superchunk solo record, by the way, is pretty good. It's like a synth-pop album. It's, it's kind of nice. But, no, in fact, they have an album together, and uh, it's a sort of ambient experimental music. And uh, I went with this guy Colin I met several months ago when we were out because I was wearing a Laughing Squid shirt. And uh, he's in tech and, you know, so we've been trying to meet up and we met up for that show. We're going to go see Sayer as well in July. But so, yeah, I did like a million things yesterday, so no podcast and no movie either, which is pretty sad. I didn't get to to see any movies this week, but uh, I just got, yeah, you know, I was traveling I went to New Orleans this week. I haven't been to New Orleans. I'm trying to remember exactly what year. I think it was probably about 1999 or 2000. It was definitely before the Barbarian Group started. And I had used to go there a lot. I had a lot of different trips there. I, I, I went there once on a, a very strange, sort of not-date Mardi Gras with this girl that I think maybe we liked each other, but we were too incompetent and young to figure it out. That was a really weird trip. And then I went with... Um, a bunch of, uh, like, mine and Jill's friends, Jill and I and Vicky and Chris, and we went to go meet Mona, and uh, it's funny, I I was posting photos on Instagram, and Mona commented, she was like, I still have a photo of all of us from when you came to visit, I think that trip was 99, yeah, actually I know that was 99, because that was after South By, we were all driving back after the South By, that elevator drops played at, and we stopped in New Orleans to meet Mona, to see Mona, and so in that trip and then i was there in 96 with cindy talk uh on a tour and so the first day i was there after i took a nap you know i landed at 8 a.m checked into my hotel and started wandering around and uh because the people my friends were you know ryan said he had to do some work and aubrey had her baby so i was like all right i'll just wander around and so I was like, kind of, you know, it's like primal, right? And it's all pre time hop. I don't really have any, I have some photos from the 99 trip, but they're scanned in. So the metadata doesn't say they're from 99. So, you know time hop doesn't know they're from 99 so i don't get them at the right time so i'm not really thinking about it and so it's kind of like pre-time hop nostalgia i'm wandering around i'm like okay there's this hotel that me and the girls stayed at let's go find that hotel and i found it and we're still friends today i sent her a picture and then i was like and then there was this bar it was like a punk rock bar with like a hair you could get a haircut there and i remember you had to go past cafe Dumont over to decatur street and i was like i'm gonna go see if i can find it and i want around Café du Monde you know I have pictures of us from there from the, the trip with Jill and, and Chris and Vicky and then I found the punk rock bar it's called Antiqui's it's really great still it's this awesome dive bar and I was like oh my god it's still here this is great and I was talking to the bartender because he was in a Vestron video hat which was pretty awesome and and then my friend Ryan Freitas, who was there for the conference as well, was like, I'm done working and I'm going to go meet my friend at this other nice bar. And I was like, OK. So I walked around the, the, the quarter, and I like looked at stuff and remembered being there when I was young and caring about Mardi Gras and seeing boobs and. And then I met him at this bar, and I met his friend Pablo, and we had a couple drinks there, and then we met Aubrey at a hotel bar on Bourbon Street, and we had a couple more drinks because we had all got there. So basically, we're all there for this conference is what's going on, and our friend Gerard put the conference on. But when we got there, we learned that Gerard had, in fact, broken his neck in a a couple days earlier because he dived to save his child from a fall. So, I mean, props to Gerard, because that's really impressive. And uh, but he broke his neck, so he couldn't be at the conference. So, A, we weren't 100 percent sure what we were all talking about. Uh, We figured we'd talk to Gerard about when we got there. So that was no longer an option. And B, nobody was really going to entertain us during the day. So we just entertained ourselves. Uh, went you know, drank with Aubrey and her and her little baby Elodie at, at this hotel bar and. Then what did we do? We all went back to the hotel so Aubrey could drop her kid off. And then I think it I already, man, it was probably like five o'clock and it starts getting blurry at that point. And I know that we dropped her off and Ryan and I went out carousing and Ryan has been to New Orleans a lot more than me and a lot more recently. So he was sort of doing, you know, same thing, that primal instinct to revisit the places you know and you've been to to touch base and see how they're doing and update your data banks and, and get your bearings before you, like you know, go off to new places. So we, we went to some seafood restaurant. I really like called Luke. And we, and we ate a seafood tower, which is very impressive for me. Cause I don't really eat seafood. And then we went to like two bars that he really loves. And by the last one, we were just brewing down talking, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And <laughs> our, our memories differ, but I remember standing outside looking exactly over to where our seat was at the bar and he wasn't there and convincing myself that he'd left me and so i just got an uber and went home and passed out and but he in fact was still sitting in the seat he just saw me get in the car and leave so i was just i guess i was just rationalizing it in my own head uh and then i slept for like the longest i've slept in years i slept for i don't know 12 hours it was amazing it was amazing great sleep and, uh, you know, woke up pretty hungover, but managed to rally, got some food, got some fluids. And then Aubrey Ryan and I went to the conference and started to figure out what we're going to do. So it was like sort of two sections. The first one was easy because Aubrey and I had worked it out that, I, you know, it was they wanted us to talk about, uh, like, culture, workplace culture, and, and, and sort of motivations and stuff, and, and you know, specifically in larger organizations, and I was like, well, Aubrey, you're the one, you know, you, you your team is like 200 people big, and you worked at Google and Facebook, and I haven't worked at a big company since Ernst & Young in the 90s, so how about I interview you? And she's like, okay, that's great. So that made it a lot easier because I could just go out there and be like, we're going to talk about workplace culture in larger workplaces. And this is Aubrey and this is what she's done. And this is, you know, I'm going to ask her questions. And so we did that and that was fine. But nobody could tell Ryan and I what we were supposed to talk about. And it was just a conversation and neither one of us was interviewing the other one. And we didn't really know. <laughs> we tried to get information about who the audience was, but, but uh, you know, I know, are they big companies? Are they tech Are the advertising? And, uh, you know, but eventually a couple of people Piped up with questions and it, it went in some decent directions. I, I wouldn't say it was our finest moment, but it was a good moment, and it was fun and it was good to talk to uh, to Ryan about some stuff. We talked about scooters. We talked about sort of tech cities outside of the you know New York, Boston, Silicon Valley core, and like what you could do in your city compared to uh, you know my town, the Rally Drum, to New Orleans tech scene to Boulder. Uh, so that was fun and then you know after that we powwowed with the conference people we met a lot of interesting people uh a couple were really fun i was standing there talking to this guy about angel investing and sort of like different tactics on it and i overheard somebody next to me go this guy is avril Levine's guitarist (laughs) and so i turned around and i was like do you know todd demma who's my friend that used to be avril Levine's drummer and he's like i do know todd demma todd demma and i toured the world for six years with avril Levine. and i was like did you see the cults playing on Wednesday?" friday because of the cult he's todd's in the cult now and he's like i didn't i'll still be in town so i'm gonna go see todd and we had this really long talk about todd and uh paul hager another boston guy who's like a big live producer now live engineer and we sent a picture of us to todd so that was fun and then i met this woman she's like so where are you from in alaska i was like oh i'm from fairbanks she's like why And and i'm like what about you and she's like oh i'm from alaska and i'm like oh really and she's like yeah i'm from kodiak I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And I was like, I had a big crush on Kodiak when I was in high school. And she's like, told me the year she lived there and she was there at the same time as my crush, but I couldn't remember my crush's name. So that was very frustrating. But then, you know, we were having a good talk and then she was like talking about Silicon Valley. She's like, oh, I used to live in Menlo Park. And I was like, why? And she was like, I was the first lady of Menlo Park. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, I was married to the mayor. And I'm like, that's fascinating. And then she's like, yeah, it's a whole story. And then she just walked off. <laughs> I'm like, Okay uh so that was a good time uh we caught up with the other conference organizers and then aubrey and ryan and i went and had dinner at this place called seaworthy next to the hotel it was pretty good but very slow uh and then back to the hotel for a nightcap but i was in bed by like 10 30 or something and it was great and then i got up super early six o'clock caught a seven or eight o'clock flight home i was home by 11 30. On Thursday, two nights away, I was really dreading the trip, but it all worked out. I'd go back to that conference. I just definitely would prepare more for the actual talk. But it's hard to do when it's just an open-ended conversation, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, New Orleans. Jane is doing well. She's learning, like a couple new words a week at this point. She, uh, she says, hi, as well as bye-bye now, which is great. She just goes, hi. And it's like disconcerting because it sounds like an adult, like a Southern adult. Hi. And, uh, Emma reads her this book, this potty training book every night. And there's a part in the book where it just goes, and she sat on the toilet in the next pages and sat and sat and sat and sat. And the repetition of reading that whole page, Jane, now I was changing her diaper today. And there's like an old paperback by the diaper table and she picks it up and pretends to read and she picked it up and over to a page and went and sat and sat and sat and sat and sat. And sat. And I was like, Oh my God. She's like, knows what reading is. I mean, she doesn't get the words yet, but you know. That's pretty crazy, and uh, she kisses now. I mean, it's like she's got a little kissing booth. She has to be in a very specific place, on the couch upstairs in the, in her playroom with me on the couch. She'll climb up on top of me, and then she'll lean over the arm of the chair, and then she'll like go, and then Emma has to come over and give her a kiss, and then she turns to me, and she goes and i give her a kiss and then she's very happy and she screams with delay and she does it again and then she wanders off but if you try to do it anywhere else she hasn't really figured out that kisses can happen anywhere but that one spot on the couch but yeah it's great she's a cutie she did well we took her to that that party at the babysitters and the babysitter is also a dog sitter and then she has, has a dog two dogs and there's a dog sitting dog there and then one of the other people come to the party so there are four dogs and, you know, these dogs are big and I thought they were big and there's like just tall as tall as Jane and she just faced them down, man. She had no fear. She'd just be like, what's up, large dogs? And like all four of them ran at her once and she just stood there. It was really impressive. <laughs> I was like, man, you are fearless around these things. I thought that was very, very impressive. But, yeah, she's doing great. Uh, let's see. Next week, I'm only gone one night, so that's exciting. I get a lot of time with her this week. I was gone two nights last week. And, you know, I will say I was dreading. I think I mentioned this in the last week or two. I've been dreading all this travel because I've been gone at least one trip per week. I was gone last week. I have gone this week. Uh, next week I'm gone to New York for one night, and then uh, we come home for two nights, and then we go to Boston for one night, and then that's the end of the of the travel. But now that I'm, you know, I'm kind of in it, and I'm like over halfway done, and I, I feel pretty good about it. Like it's interesting when you're when you're at rest, you want to stay at rest, and when you travel. You're, you're at motion, and you know you're going to be at motion for a while. You stop thinking about it. You want to not be in motion. You can just do it. Yeah, you know, eventually you burn out and get tired. But I find that a lot of times you're just, you are like not doing stuff. You're like, oh, God, it's going to be such a pain. Case in point. You know, it's the same thing with rallying at night, right? So, i yesterday I was upstairs. You know, the thing about going to these shows at Cat's Cradle is like, we, the great thing about it is like, I put Jane to bed, I say goodnight, and everything the doors are at Cat's Cradle at 7 or 7 30. Shows start at 8 or 8 30. Jane goes to bed at 7 30, so I can put her to bed and then go to a show and I don't miss any Jane time. But last night I was sitting on the couch waiting for her to go to bed and we got a thunderstorm thunder warning and it was like just lightning and thunder and it was really intense and i was like oh maybe i won't go maybe i should stay home i don't know i was like but i really want to see these these artists uh, especially if they're together you know i've seen mac i haven't seen mary solo but i was like now nah, there's this is a thing i mean how often do mac mcconnell like, mary latimore play this duet thing you know and so i was like i really should go but i was like "Oh, but i'm comfy on this couch and jane's watching project i mean jane emma's watching project runway even though i don't care about it i, 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 I am watching it but luckily, I had told Colin I was going. And so he's like, OK, I'm heading out soon. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then I went to the show. And like, people make you rally, you know? And it's like, I don't really have people here to make me rally, so I uh, sometimes I just don't rally. But I'm trying to rally lately. I've now seen a ton of, ton of shows. It's pretty exciting. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yes, yeah. speaking of rallying, I have another thought I thought of this week, right? I read a really funny joke on the internet. Somebody tweeted, and I don't remember this person's name, so that that will be relevant in a moment. But their tweet said, I was walking down the street and I heard these bro dudes. And one bro dude said to the other one that the, the Night King is like your friend who really makes you rally even when you're exhausted. And I'm not telling the joke very well, but the point is, the joke was hilarious, and it's kind of like this bro dude talking about the Night King as someone that makes you rally, right? And I was like, that's a really good joke. And then I was like, you know, this is interesting. So this person's now getting a ton of, like, retweets. I had, like, thousands of retweets and likes when I saw this tweet. And I was like, but they didn't even make this joke. Some random dude made this joke. And, you know, we all think of him as a bro dude, so the joke's funnier because, like, a bro dude is apparently a bad dude, right? And, like, but what if he was a bro dude that's also, like, a comedian, you know? Like, Josh Gondelman can look like a bro dude sometimes. And I was like, and what if we just all... His joke just got stolen. What if he was trying out material for this person? And I was like, this is a really interesting sort of metaphor for the digital age, you know? There's no such thing as attribution anymore. And then, uh... Yeah, my mind was really wandering that day. And then I started thinking of uh, Henry and June and the character that uh, What's-His-Name was playing, where he's convinced that everybody was always stealing his books. And I was like, I guess this has been an age-old problem. But I do think it's a unique, interesting thing of the internet now. Because I was looking at TimeHop and I had a bunch of OH tweets, and I realized nobody uses OH anymore in tweets. There's no more overheard in tweets. I don't know, we just stopped doing that. That's weird, right? I don't know. That was a long rambling line of thinking, but I think it's interesting. I feel bad for that guy if he had a really great joke about the Night King rallying his peeps and then somebody stole it on Twitter and he never can make that joke and he'll never get credit for it. And that's like a, honestly, if that's the one thing you accomplish in your life, that's pretty good. If you made that one joke, that'd be a, you really accomplished something, but we have taken it away from him. We have taken it away from him. Anyways, you can tell I'm going a little out of order today, but, uh, and it's going to be a short one. It's going to be a short one, but, and turn into music. I didn't sell anything on Discogs this week. So that's not very exciting. Uh, I did go to two live shows. One of them was a double header actually. On Thursday, the day I got home from New Orleans, I came home in the morning. I spent the whole day with my wife and kid. I put the kid down and I went to Cat's Cradle, and I saw three bands. It was awesome. <laughs> the shows started at eight. And I went. I wanted to see three openers and two. And there's two rooms at Cat, Cat's Cradle, and I wanted to see one of the two bands in the in the small room and two of the three bands in the big room. And I got there, and the band. In the small room was a band that I like. I only had really ever heard a couple of songs, but I really, one of them I really loved, and they had just started it. So I walked in, and it was Black Belt Eagle Scout. And they're just, they were awesome. they were playing the song I really like that I don't even know the name of. It's like, I want you, I need you. And it was great. And they're like a four-piece. And the bassist is this woman that was just a phenomenal bassist. And like it was just like hard driving. It kind of reminded me of toy with this like Native American woman lead singer. And it was like an all-woman band. And it was just really great shoegaze. And they were fantastic. Then I went into the big room. Now, the great thing about that too is like that show is sold out yeah the black belt eagle scout were opening for julia Jacklin, who i have listened to the album and i like but you know it's by enough more than i could chew already uh but the show is sold out but like they just let me in with my stamp from the front room because i was like look i just like the opening band. he's like that's cool just go ahead and then i went over and i watched uh, the first two bands in the other room which were daddy issues and now now uh, <laughs> but i love them both i think i can't remember if Daddy Issues was an obsession of mine before this podcast started I think it was I think it was a 2016 obsession and uh, they're great I think I just love them like all female band trio kind of punk rock learned about them at South by Southwest because I stayed at my friend's house <laughs> and he was like my, my wife is left town with the kids and I have a band named Daddy Issues staying at my house <laughs> I was like oh that's creepy uh, but they're great and they have a new album so they played about half songs I knew and half songs I didn't know and they have a new member. Her name is Molly. She's hilarious. She skipped her own graduation to go to the show. Uh, they go on the tour. They were great, and then now, now who I love on record, and I've loved all their albums, but it was really weird live because it was way more like churches or something. It was like driven by drums and synth, and it was a duo with an occasional third guy coming on to play some keyboards. But then on two or three songs, which are the most coincidentally my favorite songs, well, they didn't play my very favorite song, but all the other ones they played, uh, and the lead singer woman and the third extra guy would p- pick up guitars, and then they would play songs with guitars, and I was like, oh yeah, this is this is now. Nah, now now i love so i i love now now when they go more guitar i mean i like churches and i like that music and the crowd loved them right they had a lot of fans there um but i'm more into the guitar driven now now especially that school friend song which they did not play which is pretty sad but they're great and then i did not stay for the headliner in that room which is this band called foxing that i know nothing about and i'm now dreading to listen to them because if it turns out i like them i'll be really bummed that i didn't stay but you know what it was like nine o'clock man i gotta go to bed i'm old and then the Mac, uh, we're talking Mary Lattimore show last night, which I was, uh, I guess I didn't really tell you much about it. It was great. Uh, it was in the back room at Cat's Cradle again, and they had seats probably only like 50 people at the show and it was like her harp with like a couple of pedals in her lap, and she would play like the delay pedals and stuff like that and then mac was on like a laptop and a keyboard and a little modular thing and he had a little sampling mic and he would use things like rain sticks and and bells and he would ring them or record them into the mic and then he would do like loop trippy loop stuff to him you know it's all live and it was it was good it was really nice it was a short set maybe 40 45 minutes i listened to they have an album called new rain duets and you know i mean as much as these are songs stylistically they're similar but they're very different i would say that they're new pieces also new rain duets was a live performance previously from chapel hill i remember it happening it's about two years ago right right around when jane was born and i was like i can't make that so this one might be a new album too that'd be kind of cool maybe they get together every two years they we do a show in chapel hill and they record it for an album and that's it i don't even know i don't even know if they've ever toured it's <laughs> i did not know mary Lattimore is also from north carolina so you know she's on ghostly I didn't. And I think she lives out west now, but apparently she's from around here. So, two native North Carolinians making cool ambient music on synths and a harp. It's kind of awesome. Uh, recording music. I didn't listen to a bunch of new stuff this week. I bought and had. Uh, arrived this week some stuff that i listened to the cloud atlas soundtrack i got the double vinyl of it it's gorgeous pressing and uh you know it's got it's got the robert frobisher (laughs) cloud atlas sextet on there and all the music i love that movie and i was thinking when i was listening to this i'm like people give that movie shit and they should not it's one of the bravest weirdest movies that people have made in ages and you know there are places where it's a little overwrought, and it's like stylistically and you know because it's four or five interlapping stories and uh So people don't like that about it, but I I just think it's amazing. And, you know, they said that book was uh, unfilmable. And I think about the other book that people said was unfilmable, which was Life and Times of Tristan Shandy, and they filmed that too. Michael Winterbottom, who I deeply respect as a director, probably more than, you know, the Wachowskis. But, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic film, man. It bums me out when people say mean things about Cloud Atlas. I've watched that film like four or five times. Maybe that says something about me. Uh, Anyway, Good to listen to the soundtrack and then i listened to the new test department record it's their first record in 20 years it's called disturbance i was record shopping from this english record store where i got the cloud atlas soundtrack and the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford yet another nick cave and uh <laughs> what's his name soundtrack um but i already owned that one on cd so it was a replacement so i did not list it amongst all the soundtracks last week but the vinyl showed up that one too and I ordered a third record from them, and it was this Test Department record, and it's it's good, it's exciting, it's fine, it sounds like uh <laughs> Test Department meets 1994 era Frontline Assembly, which honestly, these days, I'm okay with. You know, like that industrial dance period. For a long time, I was like, it sounds dated. I know I'm not into it, but I am newly into it again. And I, especially the weirder stuff like Frontline Assembly, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling okay about this. Uh, on that note skinny puppy is coming to town soon but they're playing at some weird theater i don't know maybe i'll go maybe not anyway new test department first album 20 years good good on them i hope they come out with some more it's also you know like there was a period where test department went full-on electronic like the bang on it single big hit at man Ray back in the days this is not full-on electronic it's got it's got guitars it's got noise it's got the industrial stuff it's, it's got sounds of unidentified origin as per mid 90s frontline assembly so it's it's good and then I listened to the Emmett Rhodes recordings 1969 to 72 because I realized I knew nothing about Emmett Rhodes and I was reading some article about him and aside from him showing up on one or two of uh, Wes Anderson soundtracks, I was like, I don't know, he sounds like a pop dude. And so I was like, I need to like get up to date on Emmett Rhodes. So honestly, I spent most of the week listening to Emmett Rhodes' four albums from the late 60s and early 70s and starring tracks and picking stuff out. So, uh, you know, I absorbed that. <laughs> That's more like work, right? Like learning the back catalog, things that were like missing sometimes i have this friend in boston ad and he's like very good at certain periods of music that i'm like not as good at and every time i see him i'm like oh god i gotta go learn about this artist and Ad did not do this to me this time but i, I was like oh, i don't know anything about Emmett Rhodes. this is totally wrong so you know i gotta read the wikipedia page and listen to like five albums four albums i don't really know a bunch of albums So that's it for music this week. And then TV, I watched Project Runway with my wife again. (laughs) God, But luckily I got up in the middle of it and ran off and saw a show and it came back and she was still watching it. That's how short the show was. It was pretty good. Uh, And then we watched the last three episodes of the Orville of the season, which was awesome. If you're not watching that show and you're at all a Trek fan, I strongly recommend it. It was great. They do little things that are just really clever. And the last two episodes were super fun and interesting and weird. And it's just very satisfying. And I'm sad it's done. And then, of course, Game of Thrones, I think... Yeah, if I would have done this podcast last Friday or Saturday, I would not have watched the uh, Battle of Winterfell yet. It was a long night. And yeah, because I watched it on Monday and it was awesome. I liked it. People don't like it. Some people don't like it. They don't like that it's dark. and yeah, I agree. I mean, I got a giant 4K TV and we were sitting in the dark and we were watching it on HBO Go instead of over cable. So it was like 4K and it was still pretty dark, but I'm into that. I've, I've watched a lot of dark stuff in my life. And I think that, you know, I'm okay with people using it as a artistic tool, uh, like difficult works. And I'm okay with the ending. I'm okay with the surprises. I do think like one more major character should have died for good measure, but you know, it was really just clearing the decks. I guess perhaps I'm doing spoilers there, but uh, you know, not, not like a lot of people didn't die or anything. So... Uh, it's good. I'm I'm ready for Game of Thrones to be done. I don't particularly care who's going to win the throne. I'm glad there's only three more. I think they're doing a good job, but I just I'm like I'm I'm, I'm ready. Eight years of my life is enough time to have spent with this, which is kind of how I feel about the Avengers too. Although well, I did think about going to see Endgame again today, but I did not. Maybe maybe I'll play hookie one day this week. Oh, my birthday! I could play hookie in the morning and go watch Endgame. Yeah, it's my birthday Tuesday. I don't really want, we don't want to, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, so that's it for TV, and we didn't watch any movies, and we've only been reading one book this week. We're reading "This Changes Everything" by Naomi Klein, which I'm about uh, halfway done with. It's an environmental book. It's pretty interesting. There's some things I agree with. There's some things I don't agree with, and uh, I, yeah, but I'm starting to see where a lot of the sort of current thinking around the Green New Deal came from. This book was hugely influential. It came out a couple years ago, and her main theories are very similar. You know. To the green new deal when you see people like aoc say well you know it really like we can't tackle like climate change without also tackling healthcare and global warming and you're kind of like oh, what uh Naomi Klein really does a great job explaining exactly why they think that is the case and she also has this sort of section called the right is right which is like the right knows that global warming is real they're just fighting a tooth and nail because they believe that it cannot be stopped without a radical overhaul and abandonment of capitalism and they're right it can't be done within the current system we gotta completely change it and I think like that's the part I probably take issue with in this book I mean I'm fine if the world decided like hey we're gonna tackle global warming and in doing so we're gonna completely rework capitalism so it's not so evil I mean like that's great I'm totally cool with it but I'll also like I'm really think we need to fix the environment however we can and and then i think it's like kind of hubristic to think you know the only way and I'm, you know i haven't got that she has got a chapter that like details all the like supposed like the tech solutions aren't going to work uh but i haven't got to that chapter so i don't know exactly why she thinks that i just read you know in the intro she says it's not going to work and i'm like i don't know you know even in the last two years solar has like gotten way cheaper blah 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 um so I'm reading the book and I agree with a lot, but I disagree with a lot. And I think I'm just going to reserve my judgment until I'm done. So we will talk about this hopefully next week. I bought a bunch of books today, last night. I bought, um, I was at the, the Mac McCoggle, Miriam Lattimore show. And I was like, do you know, Jane Jacobs? And I was like, yes, I do. But I have not read enough of her. And I was like, I have two of her books and, but they're not the right ones. I wanted to start with the big one, the death and life of American cities. And, you know, I got home and I explained to her that like the mythical lost 300 words of the power broker by Robert Caro chronicle Robert Moses' battles with Jane Jacobs trying to make the lower Manhattan expressway where Broom Street is today. And like, uh, and I did find one interview recently where he talked about his lost words. And he said somebody, when the book came, I was like, how come you didn't deal with Jane Jacobs in the lower Manhattan expressway? He's like, it's in there. It's in there. And he didn't even realize he had cut all that. But I still don't know why he can't just publish. The, uh, it's maddening. Anyway, so I looked at the Jane Jacobs book that I did have which I have been buying at the Chapel Hill Library book sales. And I did not have Death and Life American Cities or her last book, which is the one Emma was reading about at that time. So I bought those two and I also bought the new Ian McEwen novel. So those are gonna be the next three books I read, I think. And I got this problem with Colette. I got a six novel Colette book I've had since my mother. I took from my mother in the early eighties and it's really microscopic prints. One of those portable traveler editions of six Colette novels, and so I was like, well, you know, I mean, I'm trying to read half or more books by women this year and I've never read any Colette and I've been dragging this book around for six years or 20 years, 30 years, who knows? So I should read some Colette novels. Plus they're short. There's six novels in this one little book, but it's a, so the type is like four point, <laughs> maybe six point. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Whatever. I'll suck it up and I'll buy like cheap Kindle editions of these. And they're not out there. Like the amount of Colette translated in English is really small and the amount of Colette translated in English on the Kindle is even smaller. Like you can't really read a lot of Colette on Kindle or even really in English. There's only like five or six out of 30 novels published in English. And the six I have in this novel, they're not in print anymore. So I don't really know what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to start reading Colette novels after uh, Jane Jacobs and the new Ian McEwen. But I don't know how I'm going to pull it off. Maybe I'll get a magnifying glass and be one of those dudes with a magnifying glass. I don't really know. But we will figure it out. We will let you know. And then work. Work is going great. Nimbus is doing great. Three of our publisher clients are slowly implementing and making good progress. They are not all the way there, but everything seems to be going in the right direction. That is very, very exciting. Uh there's been a lot of conferences like David, our main sales biz dev guy has been out at MAU, so a lot of a lot of movement there. We're getting our marketing together, we're getting our product roadmap together, starting to feel the impact of having Kristen in the company. We're doing the audit. So Q and I have been really busy with the audit. I've been learning about all this weird stuff like section 606 price actualization. I didn't know anything about any of that. And then section 125, which is around benefits plans, egalitarian benefits plans. I've been doing a ton of stuff around these. Did you you know anything about that? You gotta figure out how to click sales tax in Canada? That'll be, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like a vast body of knowledge I'll never really need again, you know what I mean? But it's super interesting. And as you know from this podcast, I like learning about weird stuff. So right now I'm learning about Canadian sales tax and section 606, accounting rules and section 125. So yeah, uh, but the yeah, big picture, everything's working if these three clients me everything goes well over the next two or three weeks uh, i think we're going to make a couple more hires and keep growing this puppy and then you know <laughs> i will tell you We're going to cut this podcast pretty short today, but I'll just go on a little closing rant here. I have a little outline I read from each week, right? And I copy it over into a note for that podcast to make the little summaries you guys see in your podcast app. And then I make the new one. And, you know, it starts with intro, Chatham report, Jane report, media report, music, TV, movies, books. And then it says work in tech. And sometimes I used to do like a bunch of tech topics besides work. And in prepping this today, I was looking through a bunch of tech topics and I was like, These are all too depressing. I don't want to talk about any of this. I don't want to talk about stupid Jack Dorsey. I don't want to talk about like privacy stuff. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about that. Tech is depressing. I'm not going to talk about it. And then I was like, okay, moving on projects. And then I was like, I had all my project notes for all the projects that I'm just not working on anymore. (laughs) I just deleted all and I wrote projects are depressing. (laughs) And then I was like, you know, I used to have a health and diet segment I'm still basically at the same weight. I've lost weight all year. So now it just says diets are depressing, <laughs> and that's the end. There's the Google alerts section, but there haven't been any good Google alerts this week. And there's the section on my neck, but no, I don't know. I actually had a long talk about my neck with uh, with Colin because he had recently had surgery because he had a lifelong shoulder problem that happened from whiplash when he was six, and he just got surgery for it. So I was like, oh my god, I understand. Maybe I should get surgery too. So I guess that's news. There, we'll close on that. We had a couple flue thing, but uh. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, Somebody else. Oh, it's actually calling again. Maybe it's good that I have a dude friend down here. I don't know, but we were talking about side projects. He's like, man, I just you know, it's really hard for me to do all my side projects these days. I'm like, what on top of your full time? Well, he's a contractor, but full time contracting gig, your nonprofit, and your three children. Go figure. I can barely pull off a side project. I only have one kid and no nonprofit. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'll rally again sometime. I think about my projects a lot, but right now. I don't know just trying to live day to day and my final insight is when I got home from New Orleans and I was sitting here on Friday I was like I'm happy to be home Maybe the domestic life is for me. I'm excited to go grocery shopping tomorrow. I'm excited to make my bone broth I'm excited to make a quiche Maybe I'm just a boring guy that likes domesticity or maybe I've gotten old. I don't know I will keep writing as life goes on, but I don't know if people are ever gonna read it. I'm really torn I'm really torn this year is not looking good for it. I'm glad I got that truck book out early in the year. So that's it for this week. Short and sweet. I suspect you guys like it when I do it every week and they're like 30 minutes instead of when I skip a week and I have an hour. Next week should be exciting. Got my birthday, two shows, trip to New York. Be fun times. Be fun times. I thank you very much for listening. And talk to you guys next week.